I want you to look with me tonight in 1 Samuel chapter number 4, and we'll also jump over in 1 Samuel chapter 7, and we'll spend most of our time in chapter 7, if it's the Lord's will. But I want to read you some verses in chapter 4 to help set a stage so you can comprehend and have a visual idea of just how bad things had gotten in 1 Samuel chapter number 4. I want you to look with me tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 4. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to pick out some verses that will display to you uh, the horrible condition that the children of Israel found themselves in. If you look with me in verse number 1, 1 Samuel chapter 4. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer. Let me stop here. I know we've got new converts. When you come across the Philistines in the Bible, they're always the enemies of God. They're always the enemies of righteousness. They're always a picture of the devil's crowd. Well, I want you to immediately see the devil's crowd versus God's crowd. Now look at it. The Bible says, And they pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. If you're marking your Bible, underline 4,000 men. Now that's God's people. 4,000 have fallen, have died at the hand of the Philistines. Verse number 10, same chapter. The Bible says, And the Philistines fought. And Israel was smitten. That means they were whipped. That means they were overcome. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm not liking how this is sounding. It looks like God's people are being defeated. And they are. The Philistines fought and Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, look at that, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. We see 4,000 dead in verse number 2, 30,000 dead in verse number 10, and God's people are fleeing. They're running from the enemy. I'm afraid tonight God's people are running but they're running the wrong way. It's like getting on an expressway or a four-lane on the wrong side. It's just not going to end up good. If tonight we could see God's people on the run and somehow recognize we got to get turned around. But look in verse 17. And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled, they're running before the Philistines, and there hath been also 
a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas. If you're marking your Bible, underline those two names. These are sons of Eli the priest. Look what they are. They're dead. The Bible says they're dead and the ark of God is taken. This is going downhill fast. Verse 18, And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck break and he died for he was an old man and heavy and he judged Israel forty years. Now I'm reading slow. I'm trying to read clear. 3,000 dead. Or 4,000 dead. Then 30,000 dead. Then the priest's sons are dead. And now Eli the priest himself is dead. And look in verse 19. And his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her uh, said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Can we review one more time? 4,000 dead. 30,000 dead. The priest boys are dead. The priest is dead. The mama of Ichabod dies, giving birth to Ichabod, which means glory is departed. I don't know what that means to you, but it means to me there is a great defeat of the people of God. A great defeat of the people of God. But I want to show you something in chapter 7. I want you to look with me. This is almost, looks like it can't be coming from the same context. But look in chapter 7 and verse number 11. Have I painted a good picture of defeat for you? I mean, do you see this as defeat in a bad way? 4,000 dead, 30,000 dead, the priest boys are dead, the priest is dead, the mama of Ichabod is dead, God's people are running from the enemy. Brother, this don't look good. But look in chapter 7, verse 11. And the men of Israel, this same defeated crowd, this same crowd that's taken great loss, this same crowd that's buried thousands and thousands of their countrymen. Notice what it says. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines. Wait a minute. I thought y'all were running from them. 
Now you're running after them. Now I like how this is turning. They were running from them, but now they're running after them. The Bible says, and smote them until they came unto Beth Car. That simply means in country talk, they whipped them. Now brother, something's done happened in chapter 7. All these funerals, all these dead soldiers, all these dead family members, priests' sons, priests, a woman even dies giving birth. But now the same crowd, brother Tim, that was running home from the enemy, they've turned an about face. And now they're chasing the enemy. And look who's whipping who. Now if you're a thinker like I am, you wonder what happened. Something happened to turn this around. Something changed that turned this around. I want to preach a little bit tonight, if the Lord will help me, on the subject, putting the enemy on the run. Putting the enemy on the run. I'm looking at folks in here tonight. I don't know your stories, but some of you have faced some of the most difficult defeats in your whole Christian life. It's like discouragement, despair, taking losses has become the normal for you. And it's like you just keep getting beat down. And it's like the enemy's got you on the run. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to be realistic. I know there's people in this room you're facing things you've never faced before. You don't have the answer to the problems that you're looking at. It's like you're whipped by the enemy. It's like the enemy's got you on the run. But wouldn't you like tonight before this service is over to say I'm done, I am done being chased by the enemy. It's time I chase them for a while. I'm tired of being whipped by the enemy. It's time I whip them for a while. And I want to show you tonight. Now this may not be what we want to hear, but it's what we need to hear. If all you ever hear at church is what you want to hear, you'll never amount to much for God. But I'm glad that I've sat where you sat tonight and heard Holy Ghost filled powerful men that weren't afraid of me and they weren't afraid of nobody but God and they lift up their voices they cried aloud and spared not and they told us what thus saith the Lord I believe tonight it's time we quit running from the enemy let's start running after them it's time we got stopped in getting whipped by the enemy it's time we whip them say amen Something happened. You'd have to be blind to not see. Something has happened. Well, preacher, what happened that caused this great miracle? What happened that caused God's people running home 
to turn around and face the enemy. Not only face them, but now chase them. And not only chase them, but now whip the tar out of them. Hallelujah. I'm trying to think if this is appropriate to say in the pulpit. So I guess I'll say it. I may get in trouble later. They whipped their tails. Say amen. Can somebody say amen? I'm glad tonight God's people, we got the answer. But we've went the wrong way. We've been whipped. We've been defeated. We've been discouraged too long. Our churches are drying up on the stalk. Anymore, it's hard to even get an amen from the congregation. We used to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We used to come into his house with praise. We used be thankful unto him and bless his name but now we're running from the enemy and we've lost our song and we've lost our shout and we've lost our joy and we've lost what it's all about but I'm here to encourage some child of God you're done, you're tired I'm not going to be whipped up and beat up on by the devil's crowd no more I'm going to turn this thing Well, if you're with me in chapter 7, I want you to look with me in verse number 2. The Bible says, and I'm going to try to show you from the Bible, all of you admitted something happened. Something big done happened. And I want to show you what happened that caused this great change. Verse 2 of chapter 7 and it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kirjath Jerem, that the time was long. I'm looking at some people tonight. The time has done got long. This has got long. You've been up against the enemy for a long time. He's getting the best of you. And it's been a long time. I'm just reading you the Bible. Now look what a long time is defined as, Brother James. It was 20 years. 20 years. You know there's people in this room been fighting battles for 20 years. Some of the same battles for 20 years. It's got long. Can someone say amen? It's got tiring. Brother Tim, it's wearing us out. Time is wearing us out. But here's where the change begins. The Bible says it was 20 years. And all the house of Israel, that's God's people, lamented after the Lord. The first step in getting this turned around is there were people lamenting. That word Menting means cry, an emotional cry, a cry from the depths of your soul. You see, we've just about lost our tears. We've just about lost our emotion. Things just keep getting worse and it don't move us at all. 
But I tell you what happened to them, Brother Jimmy, it started moving them. They started crying from the depth of their soul. They were lamenting not after the world, not after the Philistines, not after the flesh, not after popularity, not after the things of this life, but they were lamenting after the Lord. If we're going to see this thing turned around, if we're going to whip the devil's crowd, if we're going to put them on the run, there's going to have to be some people lamenting, crying from within, crying after God, and seeking the face of God. We are the world's worst for judging everything by the symptoms and not really judging the problem. If I were to give an open forum tonight, read and say, y'all tell me what's wrong with America. Somebody would say Joe Biden. Somebody would say Camilla Harris. Somebody would say Nancy Pelosi. Somebody would say our Governor Cooper, the worst governor of North Carolina history. You know, these folks and these people are problems. Now, if you're a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, you might say Republicans are the problem. And if you're a dyed-in-the-wool Republican, you might say Democrats are the problem. Well, they're just symptoms. They're not really the problem. The problem is not at the White House. The problem is not at the governor's house. The problem is not at the senator's house. The problem is not at the congressman's house. The problem's not at the athlete's house. The problem is not at the movie star's house. The problem is, are you ready? The problem is at the house of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4.17, And now judgment must first begin at the house of God. Not at the house of King Charles. Not at the house of President Biden. Not at the house of Camilla Harris. Why y'all getting so quiet? We like to blame it all on them. But they're not the problem. The problem is in this room here tonight. I'm telling you, it's us. We need to be like that old spiritual song. Say, it's not my brother. It's not my sister. But it's me, oh Lord. We need to look in the mirror and find the real problem. When's the last time you lamented after God? When's the last time you cried out to God? When's the last time you wept tears over your children, over your grandchildren? When's the last time you wept tears over the condition of your church? If we're going to put the enemy on the run, we've got to be a people lamenting after God. I'm not getting very far, but 2 Chronicles 7.14 Now listen, some of you scholars don't meet me after service and say, Brother Anderson, that was not written to us. It was written to Israel. 
Well, I know that, but the principle don't change. Second Chronicles 7.14, God even worded it so we would pull this verse through the New Testament. He said, if my people, my people, do you belong to God? My people, said God, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Let's just stop right there a little bit. The screaming sin of this society is pride. God hates pride. God hates a proud look. And shame on us as God's people when we become a proud people. We have nothing to be proud of. We have everything to be thankful for. You see, when I'm proud, I'm somehow giving a man the glory. But when I'm thankful, I'm giving God the glory. We'd be better off to quit all this proud business and all this pride. You know, we talk about the sodomites and the gay pride movement. I wonder where they learned about pride. They may have learned it from God's people. Brother, we shouldn't be a proud people. We should be an humble people. A people that's bowing before the presence of God. I'm here to tell you tonight, you're looking at a boy who don't deserve to be in no church. I don't deserve to be nowhere but hell. It's the grace of God that saved my soul. Nothing for me to be proud about. Nothing for me to be proud about. Everything for me to be thankful about. You know, Jesus said of John the Baptist, John 3, or Matthew chapter 11, I'll get to John 3 in a minute. Jesus said of John the Baptist that among those born of women there's not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Now, how would our heads swell if Jesus said, among those born of women there's none risen greater than Daniel Bray, Tim Gentry, Jimmy Woods, Of those born of women, there's none risen greater than any of our names you want to put there. I'm afraid we couldn't handle that kind of compliment. I'm afraid our old heads, Brother Sam, would swell up. But you know how John responded to that compliment? John said in John 3.30, the one that was none risen greater than, John said he must increase. He must increase. He must increase. But I must decrease. He must be made more of. John must be made less of. His name should be shouted from the mountaintops. My name, if it's forgotten, it doesn't matter. And can I say tonight, our names are not what's important. 
and who we think we've become and who we think we are, it's not important. What's important is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Woo! Glory to His name. Say, preacher, I was liking this preaching until now. Well, cheer up. It's going to get worse before it gets better. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. See, you can't pray when you're full of pomp. You can't pray when you're full of pride. You can't pray when you think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. A real praying man is an humble man. He's done humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. Up with God for man is down with self. We gotta keep self low. Friends, I wonder tonight how many in this room It's been a long time since you have prayed. Now, I'm not talking about now I'll lay me down to sleep. I'm not talking about God bless my four and no more. I'm not talking about Lord bless this food. I'm not talking about those little prayers we pray in repetition. Nothing wrong with teaching those to the children. But there's folks in this room right here tonight You know it's been a long time since you got a hold to God, since you entered in the secret place, till you got a hold of the horns of the altar. It's been a long time since you sensed His presence in the secret place, in the holiest of holies. It's been a long time since you've came boldly to the throne of grace. I say let's get back to the altar. Let's humble ourselves. Let's cry out to God. Let's quit being whipped by the enemy. Let's put the enemy on the run. As the scripture has said. <clears throat> if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Now look at this. And seek my face. Have you been seeking the face of God? If we sought God like we did likes, retweets, approvals, on social media, we might sure enough have revival. But we're seeking the approval of social media when we need to be seeking the approval of God. Amen. Amen. I use social media. I'm probably on it right now. I use it for ministry and sometimes I can't help but post my little grandkids. But I want to tell you something, friends. This world is eat up with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Now it's TikTok. You do know that's owned by the Chinese. Friend, the Chinese are about to devour us. And all we can do is talk about Pelosi and Biden. I'm telling you, we better get back on our knees before God, before the Chinese take this country. Say amen. You know I'm telling it right. Woo. I'm not getting far, am I? My people, 
which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. When's the last time you really sought the face of God? Boy, Moses wanted to see God. Have you ever got in pursuit of God? I mean seeking the face of God. As a kid preacher, Brother Sam, not much older, not much younger rather than you are tonight, as a kid preacher, I got so hungry for God. I was so hungry for God. It seemed that the things of this world became strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I didn't know how, but I tried to seek His face. And here I am, not a kid preacher anymore. And now I've been preaching almost 40 years. And I want to say tonight, the same God I sought back yonder in the woods, that little freckle-faced Anderson boy that they thought was losing his mind, they thought he was going crazy. How many times did they say, poor Juanita, married to that man he's going insane yeah they thought I was going insane they thought I was losing my mind but I'm here to tell you I didn't go insane I just looked so different to this world because I was hungry for God you ask my wife did I ever neglect her and don't neglect her to this day you can seek the face of God and never conflict your priorities Say amen. And never conflict your duties. Amen. Amen. Seek God's face. And then it says this. This this will kill the average revival right here. Turn from their wicked ways. My, my. If I could run the clock back to when me and my little wife were just overgrown teenagers and we got in these revival meetings they scalded us they preached against everything it seemed like everything we were doing was wrong to hear them preachers doing it uh, telling it and I said to one Eda one night I said if we do all this we'll have to burn everything we own and start life all over Well, we didn't have much to burn, but we burned all the bridges and we went forward for God and there's been no turning back. Some think I'm outdated. Some think I'm primitive. Some think I'm old-fashioned. Some think I'm old school. But I'm telling you, I've come too far uh, to look back. I have found the old path is the good way. It's not us. No, it's not kind of good. It's good. It's good to serve God. Let me tell you some preaching I heard that some of you, don't choke on me now. I don't want to have to call 911. But can I tell you some of the kind of preaching we heard? Now me and one, it ain't got much. We live in a 12 by 48 a uh, little mobile home, 1970 model Walker mobile home. That's all we had. But she kept it clean as a pen, and we enjoyed God and loved Jesus while we were living in that little mobile home. And all we had was a 13-inch 
black and white RCA television with rabbit ears. Now the young people don't know what rabbit ears are. I was preaching about rabbit ears and a little girl came to me and said, Brother Don, what's wrong with a bunny having ears? Well, no win on that. But we've come a long way, baby, from rabbit ears and black and white. Now them TVs back then, we could get three channels. There was no HBO. That's Hell's box office, by the way. Uh, say amen. There was no internet. There was none of there, there was none of all this stuff, Netflix and, and all the stuff they got now, Hulu. What kind of person wants to see Hulu? Amen. But all we had was three channels. One, I got some Hulu people in here. All we could get was three channels. Two of them was fuzzy. One of them was clear. And them preachers preaching against television, Brother Tim. I mean, they stormed against it. Now, we were watching some pretty bad stuff. I hate to tell you what we were watching in the pulpit. We were watching stuff like Gilligan's Island. Stuff like The Andy Griffith Show. Stuff like I Love Lucy. And I hate to even bring this up in a mixed congregation, but we even saw bedroom scenes in I Love Lucy. As Lucy got in her bed over here, and her husband got in his bed over there. Buddy, we've come a long way from that. But I tell you how bad off we've got. Them preachers thought that was wicked. They thought that was taking our time away. We're getting quiet. Go ahead. But we got things in our pockets. We got devices in our pockets that are 10,000 times worse than that. Say amen. So we just throwed out the TV. We decided to raise our family without TV. We raised them without rock and roll. We raised them without country music. It's getting quiet, isn't it? We raised them without worldly clothes. You know I never put dresses on my boys. Never. And I have never piffered through my wife's closet looking for a nice dress for me to wear. Why won't y'all say amen? The pendulum swings both ways. Hallelujah to God. Man, them preachers would preach so hard against everything. Glory to God. They'd single you out. They'd shake your hand. They'd spit on you. They'd sweat on you. You talking about stepping on toes. They did it literally, buddy. They would stomp your feet and preach the hide off of you. People couldn't take it today. In like manner also, here's some verses they would quote. In like manner also, ladies, you love the Bible, don't you? In like manner also that women adorn themselves. That's putting on clothes, not taking off. That women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Ma'am, when you step in front of that mirror before you face your day, who are you dressing for? Are you dressing for the approval of the world? Are you dressing to be accepted by the world? Or are you dressing for the approval of God Almighty? And that's what we ought to be doing, both men and ladies. Woo, boy, I've done dug a hole, Brother Jimmy.
It's going to be hard to raise a bar on this one. But I'm just telling you what's right. I'm just telling you what's right. See, we've got so far from this kind of preaching. Some of you think, man, what's wrong with him? Where'd he come from? Where'd Jimmy Woods find him at? Well, I tell you what, friend, that's the way it used to be. And we had revival. We had the enemy on the run. We were whipping the enemy. They weren't whipping us. My mentor, Dr. Sammy Allen, in his part of the country, this has probably been 30, maybe 40 years ago, they put in a big brewery in his county. You know what Brother Allen said about that big brewery they put in his, his county, his area, that brewery's still there, still putting out all that booze. He said, he called me Dunn. That's, a good, that's good for ego, Dunn, Brother Dunn. Yeah, I felt dumb when I got done with him. But Brother Dunn, he said, if we would have had revival, we could have kept some of this evil pushed back. And you know why evil's coming in on us? Jake, we've not had revival. If we have revival, we could keep some of this evil pushed back. Hey, are you tired of being beat up? Are you tired of the devil beating you up? We're going to have to get this turned around. Are you tired of taking losses? Are you tired of just constant bad news in your situation? I believe it can be turned around. But it's going to take people lamenting. Lamenting, Daniel, lamenting after God. Who are you calling on? Some of you get in a pinch. You call your mother-in-law. You call your father. You call your mama. You call your friend. Wait, what's wrong with calling on God when you get in a pinch? People made light of us when we were young, putting God first in our giving, and we didn't have much anyway. We drove vehicles. Sometimes the hubcaps would get there before we would. You know them kind <laughs> I always drove level vehicles. They smoked out of both ends. Amen. Always filled up with gas and oil at the same stop and water at the same stop. People said if you didn't give so much to God, you could have a better car. If you didn't give so much to God, your kids could have a better Christmas. If you didn't give so much to God, you could have a better place to live. Well, God's give us all those things. And people shut their mouths about our giving. I have no regret of one dime that I've ever given to the Lord. And if you're a new convert, let me challenge you to start tithing if you hadn't started already and give beyond the tithe if you hadn't already and you'll unlock the blessings of heaven in your life. I got an eyewitness tonight. We've never been rich We've never been millionaires in this world, but we may be millionaires over there. But we're not millionaires in this world. But you can take my wife to the side and ask her, in 41 years of marriage, putting the Lord first, 41 years of marriage, has God ever failed us? Has God ever turned His back on us? Has God ever let us down? Has God ever let us go hungry? Has God ever let us go without clothes? Has God ever let us go without a shelter? 
I'm telling you, God's been good to me. I have no regrets. I don't want nobody's pity. I don't want nobody's sympathy. They told me when I was young I could be a politician. The Republican Party tried to get me. And then some said you could be a great entrepreneur. And you could be a millionaire. They tried to get me. But I put the Lord first. God called me to preach. Entrepreneurism and politicians had no appeal to me. We went with God when we didn't have nothing. And here we are at this part of the journey. God's met every need. God's took care of us every step of the way. I have no complaints with Him. Some of you are getting beat by the devil. It's time you turn that around. It's time to put the enemy on the run. 